For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You work hard for your money. Are you sure it's working hard for you? You could be sure with Merowest Credit Union. As a credit union, Merowest is all about people, you and me. So they do the right thing by offering us better rates, greater choices, and better service. Merowest Smart Rewards Checking is a perfect example. It's a checking account that pays you with rates up to 18 times the national average. Really, check it out at merowest.com. And service? Merowest takes pride in what they do. Experience it. Your dreams and Merowest's values just go together. Consider Merowest today. Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but sweat happens. That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Right, guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of eagles brawl of the broad network however you're listening iHeartRadio, spotify apple podcast radio.com or wherever you get the podcast we greatly appreciate it my colleague at sports illustrated eagle mavin ed crafts with me in the house we're back recording ed my voice cracked horribly there i just heard that <laughs> real quick i, I the, you know i had these headphones on so it plays back and i'm like wow my voice really just cracked there pretty bad but ed Glad to record with you, my friend. There's been a lot going on since the last time we talked. The Eagles yeah. landed a big fish free agent, Harris. You know, we already talked about it on Sports Illustrated. We had a little Zoom about it, but we'll get we'll discuss it on the pod real quick because we were excited, man. You know, we, you, you yeah. and I were very amped up about the signing. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great signing. You know, I think it uh, it's certainly a position in need. It was a safety that everybody thought was going to get paid a lot more money than what he ended up getting. Um, you know, one year, 5 million. It's kind of interesting too, because the Cowboys ended up signing a safety too, Keanu Neal for the same deal, one year, 5 million. And I, I don't really think he's going to play safety for them that much though, to be honest with you. I think yeah. To me, I'd rather have Anthony Harris though. I mean, I think, Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Over Keanu Neal. And I think, you know, when you look at that, I'm sure Anthony Harris probably had the same offer from the Cowboys if they're throwing around one year, 5 million. Uh, but he chose to come Yeah, I would. I mean, they are going to play different positions, but yeah, I would agree because they still yeah, need. A, they still need secondary help in Dallas yeah. for sure. And they he chose to come to the Eagles for for that amount. And you know, uh, we we talked about it like you said for SI, and 
a Washington lot of probably was, Washington was interested in Anthony Harris. Yeah, Washington. I mean, listen, and I think we talked about it, like I said, on SI, and it was, you know, because of that relationship he has with Jonathan Gannon, you know, when Gannon was his uh, DB coach in Minnesota for three years, his first three years in the league. You know, he really helped develop him uh, into the kind of player that he became uh, once he got into that starting lineup. That's the whole thing. I'd see, what a testament to Jonathan Gannon to get Anthony Harris to agree to a one-year $5 million deal to come to the Philadelphia Eagles. And why? I'm going to explain right now. Clearly, his market wasn't what he thought it was going to be. I mean, Anthony Harris is coming off the franchise tag, Ed. He still had a very good season last year in terms of safety play. I know it wasn't on par of his 2018-2019 seasons, but it was still a great season. He had over 100 tackles. Right. Here's the thing with Anthony Harris is he came here because his market, Ed, wasn't what he thought it was going to be. So this one-year, $5 million deal didn't really mean much to him. It was just another thing he had to do to prove himself. Undrafted free agent, had to prove himself, work his way to become a starter that he is today. He had to prove himself on the franchise tag to Minnesota. Didn't work out the way that Minnesota anticipated it, and they didn't really have any money to pay him anyways. So he hits the open market. He takes the deal that he knows, you know what? My market sucks. This is not it for me. I'm going to go ahead and go to a situation where my assistant defensive back coach that worked with me, groomed me into the player that I am today, is a defensive coordinator for this defense. He's going to put me in a position that I know that I can play well in. I'm going to go play with Darius Slay. I'm going to go play with Rodney McLeod. But I'm going to go play in a defense that's going to fit me best and put me in position to get that long-term deal that I'm going to need. And you know what? I have a lot of years left in me. I might be 29 years old, Philadelphia, but I was an undrafted free agent that didn't really get to play until only a couple seasons ago. I still have a lot of good football left in me. And don't blame me for my bad last season because I played the best of my ability I possibly could. We brought in two rookie corners during the pandemic last year, and they were trying to adjust on the fly. We had a second-year corner, Mike Hughes, starting. Our whole entire secondary missed Xavier Rhodes. I'm not going to lie to you. We missed the camaraderie. We missed the chemistry, and we could not build it during a pandemic-type season. And that's why we took a step back. And unfortunately, I know if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you know this pretty well since you had Malcolm Jenkins, who was an elite safety for you guys, playing for you guys for your years. If the cornerback play isn't up to par, the safety play, unfortunately, takes a hit too. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to come sign Philadelphia. I'm going to play in a defense going to put me in a position to win. I'm going to play the two-team safeties um, position. I'm going to play free safety with the Eagles. We're going to shift Roddy McLeod over to the strong safety, somewhat like what the Eagles did when Malcolm Jenkins was playing free safety and they brought in uh, Roddy McLeod and they moved Malcolm Jenkins over to strong safety and Roddy McLeod to free safety. We're going to do something similar there. Ronnie McLeod's going to play strong safety when he's back from his injury. Kayvon's going to get a sprinkle in there for a mix or two. He's going to have to compete to earn that role, though. But we're going to do some great things here, and I'm going to secure that long-term deal because I'm going to be in a defense I know I can fit in. And, I, and I'll tell you, Ed, once I'm once once Anthony Harris – I'm speaking in third person here, but once Anthony Harris hits shows the Eagles that he's worth it this year, he's going to get a, a, a long-term deal from the Eagles, like how we mentioned in that Alshon Jeffrey-type deal. Mm-hmm. We're going to sign him to a mid ter- mid-season extension or try to get something done to lock him up because he's going to prove to be, like I said in that in that piece, that Connor Barwin, that Ronnie McLeod type impact for the Eagles. Yeah. He's 100% going to be. He knows the system. He's familiar with the defense. He's going to set the new culture here. And, Ed, he's really the best coverage safety in the NFL, honestly. The cornerback play just has to be up to par, and I think Jonathan Gannon's going to really focus and make that a point of emphasis of the Eagles. And what a home run pick 
What a home run signing to get with Anthony Harris because he's going to improve the cornerback play. Ed, the yeah. best thing about the Eagles this year, my friend, that we don't have to watch anymore with Jim Schwartz, these corners aren't going to be on an island. That two deep safety is going to give them a ton of help. Yep. Darius Slade doesn't even need that much help, and he's going to get a ton of help. At this point in his career, he needs a little bit more help. But I mean, it's gonna, this is going to benefit him a lot for this transition to this defense. And these corners are going to need help. These corners are going to need help, too. Dante Maddox needs help. If a Dory Jackson signs here, this is going to be a great fit for him. But he's going to need help, too, at this point in his career. He's not, he hasn't had a clean slate of health. No. Now, he's going to be great because he does play the outside. But I do think they're going to put him more in the slot with Philadelphia. I think what Kenny Moore has done in Indianapolis, what Jonathan Gannon was able to develop in Kenny Moore out there in Indianapolis, where Kenny Moore has called him one of his favorite coaches ever of all time, multiple times on social media. I think you would probably see that similar type role to Dory Jackson, where Kenny Moore does play outside at times, but he plays predominantly inside. I think you could do that with Dory Jackson, and his speed from the slot is going to be very, very vital to deal with against the Tory McLaurin, uh, Darius Slayton. Yeah, well, that's uh, providing they get him. I mean, we're, we're putting the cart before the horse here with Dory Jackson here. He still has we are. We are. The New York first. He is visiting yeah. the Giants first. It's going to yeah. be a physical and stuff. But hopefully the Eagles can bring him in. But even if they don't, Ed, that rookie corner that they're going to bring in, because they're going to draft one, you know, you and I both know well, even if they add a corner in free agency, even if they bring in Dory Jackson, they're going to draft the corner because Avante Maddox wasn't drafted and envisioned for this system. Avante Maddox was really a Joe Douglas fa- favorite. Yeah. And he has been struggling since his rookie year. So I don't think anything's going to be given to him, especially with that cap hit. If you bring in Dory Jackson in, I wouldn't be surprised if he made Avante Maddox available for a draft pick. Hmm, I would not be surprised to make him available in this draft, and he's a part of a draft day trade. Yeah. It can yeah. happen, but you still sign an outside corner in free agency. You still get one for a one-year deal. I know you and I talked off-air about Rizzo Douglas, perhaps bringing him back, making him maybe Jonathan Gannon can make him a better fit for the system, especially with the safety help he'll receive here in Philadelphia now. But even if not, you go into that second round, you go into that third round, you add corners because you need them corners Darius Slade needs to teach these corners how to play before he leaves. Yeah. He's not here much longer. And again, I go back to that 2017 class that was such a washout for for this franchise. You know, you take two corners, second and third round, Douglas in the third round, Sidney Jones in the second, who has re-signed with the Jaguars now and is going back there. But, I mean, what a big miss that was. I mean, had you gotten that right, you wouldn't be in this situation that you're in right now, and we wouldn't even be caring about it. I can't wait till the conversation was – if only Jim Schwartz could have gotten that right. Yeah. Because I'm not going to lie to you. People are laughing at Ronald Darby and the Broncos giving Ronald Darby money. Eagles fans are, excuse me, Eagles fans are laughing. But Ronald Darby played very well in Washington last year, very well. You know, Ron I, Rivera put his hands on him, and it worked. And that deal that he got with the Broncos was based off his last season in the play. Yeah, not and he's still young. I mean, I looked him up when he signed him. It, it's hard to believe he's only 27. It feels like he's yeah. been around for like 10 years. Um, he's he's still a young corner with upside. You know, he got hurt a few times here in Philadelphia, but, um, you know, he just never got developed, you know? I just don't think you – yeah, exactly. I don't think you can – and honestly, I feel it was the same way when I spoke to Kayvon Wallace, and I feel like he implied it in certain ways because he always said, you know, the coaching staff didn't really trust us rookies coming in. They don't really have that much trust for – Younger guys, there's always favorites with those guys. It's him. Mm-hmm. It seemed like Jim Swartz. We always called them the favorites. There just wasn't a development aspect to the defensive back. Uh-huh. Jim Swartz came into Malcolm Jenkins. He already got Ronnie McLeod given to him. Those are proven veterans. He didn't have to do much with. When it came to the, in terms of development, it wasn't there, and that was the really the hindrance of this former coaching staff was they couldn't develop players, and that's what you're hoping that 
this new coaching staff does with the proven track records that they have of doing so. Yeah, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. So maybe you do go ahead and give Rizzo Douglas a second chance since his market's not out there and it's not playing it now. Maybe maybe that draft class wasn't as bad as what it was. Maybe the coaching staff just couldn't build it to be anything. Well, it's like you said off air. I mean, I think a cover two scheme would really help Russell Douglas. I mean, he doesn't have that speed, that, that cover speed that can take him deep. Right. If you give but, him the help, if you give him the help, he'll bump and get that guy jammed right. at the line of scrimmage at least. Yeah. So at least the help will be over the top if he gets past him. I, I mean, Douglas was he was a ball hawk. I mean, I think he led the team in interceptions. I think he had five interceptions in his whatever it was, three years here or four years here. Yeah, he definitely did because he had three interceptions one year. Yeah. I, I, 2018 or what it was, but I remember he had three interceptions in the season before. Yeah, he's an he's an intriguing free agent name. But getting back to Anthony Harris, um, I hope the Eagles make him available to talk at some point during the week because they usually do that when they bring guys in, you know, bigger name guys like Andrew Adams, the the safety they well, signed. Sure they will. I'm sure they will. Yeah, and and I'll be interested to hear. I mean, we're giving a lot of credit to Jonathan Gannon, and rightly so. But I, I wonder too, like they come from, both come. He comes from the University of Virginia, which was the same school that Rodney McLeod came from. Right. They were three years apart, I think. McLeod entered the NFL in uh, 2012 um, or 2013. I think they were three years apart. Harris came in in 15, McLeod in right. 12. You wonder if there was an overlap at Virginia, and how much they know each other, even if there wasn't. Just from coming from the same school and probably oh, there's and Ron McLeod and Chris Long knew each other through that connection. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's always a, there's always an alum connection. Yeah, so I, I wonder how big of a role McLeod had in bringing him in and, and you know talking to him and telling him, hey, Philadelphia is a great spot for you. And um, you oh, know, I, I hundred percent guarantee there yeah. had to be a role because not only that, you're talking, you, the you're asking the former free safety to, that you know if we're going to bring this guy in, we're bringing in another free safety. This is what our plans are. So he had to be privy. Yeah. He had to be, because not only that, he restructured. So there had to be some kind of information of being exchanged of, well, this is what we're planning on doing. Mm-hmm. So understand why we're going to make this move while we're restructuring your contract, because you're here to stay too. This isn't, uh, we're bringing this guy in so we can get rid of you. We're bringing this guy in because this is what our plans are. So yes, yeah. yes, there was definitely, well, you have to read between the tea leaves there, but yes. Yeah. And the fact that they could both be the safeties, uh, you know, starting safeties this year, again, depending on the cloud and, you know, how he comes back from that ACL. If he, you know, he might miss the first couple of weeks of the season, who knows at this point. But yeah, I mean, that had to be exciting for Harris too, is, hey, you know, a couple of Cavalier guys in the, you know, in the back end of the Eagles defense, that'd be pretty cool. Well, like I said in the piece too, they're both on one-year deals. So right. I feel like the Eagles are going to make a decision, have to make a decision on, on them. I mean, if the duo pans out to be a great duo, it's going to be hard. But I mean, uh, I, I, it's hard to see Ryan McCaw get another contract here. I think they would, it, it depends. It, it just it really depends. But I mean, I think Anthony Harris is going to return to form in a in a defense he's familiar with with better cornerback play. Hopefully, you hope you would hope. Well, yeah, yeah. And again, Adoree Jackson or Dory Jackson, however you say that, it's got that funky little uh, Dory. Yeah, at the end of the uh, E there. My USC man, he's a superb athlete. I, yeah, you know, we get these pro football focus subscriptions, and even fans can get them because I got it when I was a fan. And you can look at these stats. And I think a lot of people get sucked into these stats. And they're like, these stats are bad. This guy must be bad. Like, I don't think Tennessee was ever a great situation for Dory Jackson anyways. I think he's always been asked to be either the number one corner or play a significant role in being a lead corner. He's not that. He has to be a number two. And when I say number two in this day and age, a slot corner can be a number two. Yeah. 
he could still play on the outside. He could still play on the inside. But I think yeah. he would benefit more playing on the inside in Philadelphia and then have Darius Slay on the outside and then the Eagles bring in a rookie to play on the outside like a, an Asante Samuel Jr., Tyson Campbell, and Eric Stokes, so on and so forth. There's so many names out there now. I, I, I see everybody at us with these names every now and time. I'm like, I, I'm trying to keep up as much as you guys are with these names, with these corners guys. Yeah, and all these pro days yeah. that are happening. You know, we're trying to find, you know, McMullen and John McMullen and I, who works with us, um, you know, he, he's been doing a good job. I mean, McMullen has been doing a phenomenal yeah, job. Yeah, great guy. Every single pro day. When I was in the Auburn pro day, I wasn't even expecting to see like any of you guys, and there's John McMullen, and they're asking questions. He's yeah. an every pro day. He's doing phenomenal work, guys. Check out Drummond Mullen's work. Yeah, and he's a uh, he's a guy just put a story up of his today on a uh, prospect from Auburn, a linebacker. Um, yes, I love. Yeah, uh, I can speak to that because I was there at least uh, that that pro day. Uh, you know, people are laughing because he just comes off like so like nonchalant, just answers bluntly, and that's it. Yeah, but he reminds me so much of Nigel Bradham. Mm-hmm. That's, like, uh, that's the Mike linebacker you want on your defense, and a guy that you, you, he he can play that position phenomenally well on Auburn and SEC. I would like to see him be that in Philadelphia here. And that's a guy you can get in like fourth round, Ed. Yeah, they don't have a fourth round pick right now, but yeah. Um, I know, think he makes the moves around, move down. He move probably around. will. I mean, he's got, I think, seven picks between round five and round seven. Yeah, I mean, three in the be, six, two in the seven. The movement, no matter what. They're not going to use all those 11 picks. Right. They got seven in the last three rounds, fifth, sixth, and seventh. They have seven picks. So, yeah, I, I could see them packaging to move up into the That's where how he hits home runs anyway. So. Well, does he? I mean, he hit, Kelsey was a sixth-round pick, right? And uh, Yeah, if you want to get him. A lot of your starting left tackle might be. Mills was a seventh-round pick. And I know everybody's like, well, Mills had some issues. But, I mean, Mills was a day-three pick no matter what, even if he didn't have issues off the field. But, yeah. I, you know, the Eagles all time seem like they're best when they're that. Brent Selleck was a fifth round pick. Trent Cole, Trent Cole was a fifth round pick, and Trent Cole's yeah. the best pass rusher my eyes have put my put on since I've been an Eagles fan. Even before we, we don't remember Reggie White, I guess, but Reggie was. Well, I wasn't. Yeah, awesome. I was too young for Reggie White. I'm talking yeah. about like in my prime as an Eagles fan, because even people are like, "Well, you, not Javon Kirst. No, Trent Cole is a better pass rusher for the Eagles than Javon Kirst was." Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I remember Clyde Simmons. I mean, Clyde, you know, he was great to watch. Big guy off the end. Um, right, all time. Trent Cole is not the best. Eagles no, but, by far. But I mean, but I mean, for my generation of at least, because I've been watching the Eagles since uh, 1999. Yeah, and he and he and he was a fifth round pick, like you said. I mean, they've they've hit on late round guys. It's you know those first couple rounds they sometimes yeah, they some they, trouble with. Like, can't really build a championship winning culture off of fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. No. And Bo Allen. Bo Allen was a, a seventh round pick. I think he was, yeah, from Wisconsin. From seventh was, he was, he round was pick, a yes. defensive tackle on that Super Bowl team. And a guy who's a free agent right now. Um, I don't know what he has left, but, uh, you know, he no, was. Bring him back Hassan Bring him back Hassan was enough for me. Because I don't think. Yeah. I think in this defense, you're not going to see that, many rotate, that much rotation as you would with Jim Schwartz. Because you're not asking the defense to attack as much as you probably would with Jim Schwartz's defense. I mean, it's going to be interesting, man. I'm not going to tell you. Mike Zimmer's defense line does attack. He really asks more of them. I mean, they will blitz a linebacker occasionally because Anthony Barr is a, uh, really a, a pass rusher linebacker for them. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I would be interested to see if that's what they're asking Jannard Avery to type, to convert into like a, a Anthony Barr type role Yeah, for linebacker for the for the Eagles. I mean, I don't think John Avery can be the player that Anthony Barr is by any means. Well, but, I don't think he can cover. I don't think you want him doing a whole lot of covering. I don't want Anthony Barr to cover either, but I don't think, no. I, I don't think that because 
when I compare, I'm not comparing the players. I'm comparing the situations because yeah. I don't even think Jordan he was going to make the team. But I think that they need to find that type of. Hopefully, maybe Davion Taylor. I mean, you know, I said it off air. No matter what fans think, I mean, we can think that Davion Taylor shouldn't have been picked in the third round, and I would agree with you wholeheartedly. But uh, Harry Roseman is going to want to see the return on his third round pick investment. Absolutely. We're going to want to, especially with this new staff. They're going to think that they he can develop that player. I think if. You're looking at his role and you're looking at his profile, weak side linebacker in the system. Maybe he plays that Anthony Barthes role because mm-hmm. you know everybody's looking at what Indianapolis does in defense the last couple of years, and I, I get it that makes sense. But what Indianapolis is doing is really what they've learned from Mike Zimmer in Minnesota and what he does. Mike Zimmer's been on Cincinnati, he's been with Dallas. He he has a strong coaching tree and it's branching out and it's landed in Philadelphia now. And that's a huge reason why they brought in. Uh, the linebackers coach. What is his name again? Nick Rallis. Uh, Rallis. Nick Rallis. Yeah. So that's a Minnesota Mike Zimmer tie right there. I mean, that's really what. The, and they brought in Anthony Harris. Now they're really going to that. They're showing you right now. That's what they're trying to do on defense is a Minnesota Viking type defense approach. And the linebackers are going to have pivot roles in that in that defense. Yeah. That's yeah. why you and I said all fair. Go get KJ Wright. His market's not playing enough to be what it, what you think it could be. Sign Cage, you're right to that one-year deal. Let him set the culture at linebacker. Teach your young guys. Like Another intriguing free agent prospect for the Eagles. Douglas Wright, I love it. There's a story there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is a story there, and it will happen. I mean, you're, you're talking about one-year deals at this point for the Eagles. Like, sure. And the reason why they're making these one-year deals and everybody's all worried about them is, look what they have for cap space next year, though. They're going to be fine next year cap-wise. More yeah. than fine. Yeah, you can franchise tag Anthony Harris if he plays like he does in 2019 and try to work out a long term deal with him and feet and not even let him touch the market at that point. I mean, you could work out deals with these guys that you signed this offseason. You can do a wink, wink behind closed doors and say, "Hey, that's why I compared it to the Alshon situation for Anthony." I said, "You know, Alshon came to a team not just because Carson Wentz was here and he he thought he was going to be a future MVP of this league and all the good stuff that." We all fell in love with when he virtually initially signed up here. But when you read between the tea leaves, Mike Rowe was his Chicago wide receiver coach that put him in possess in the best position to succeed. Why would you not want to rejoin that in Philadelphia? Yeah. And he did just that. And he put him in the best position to get a long-term deal. And that's what happened to the Eagles. And he, and he talked about, Alshon talked about Carson Wentz too, wanting to play for a, co- a quarterback. Yeah. Who was on the oh, I remember. He called him a future MVP, Ed. He, he literally right. said that in his opening press conference. I, I, I remember that. The yeah. down, I can't wait for the 30. We thought the McNabb TO one was interesting. I want a 30 or 30 of once in the house on. <laughs> How about just Wentz? I mean, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, him going to Indianapolis with his press conference earlier in the week. I mean, what what, what was that all about? I mean, did anybody yeah, come let's pivot into that now? We can pivot into the cars. Yeah. Did anybody come away with so, a different Ed, How? I think people still defend Carson pretty wholeheartedly in Philadelphia. I do too. Majority at least. Yeah. How did, how I tried my best to get media access to his press conference. How the heck did Howard Eskin, Les Bowen, and the and a couple John Clark get these I mean, at well, way higher names than than myself, obviously, but I mean, I thought they were banning all the entire Philadelphia media. Yeah, no, I mean, you could have got a link sent to you from the Indiana uh, Indianapolis PR department. They would have sent you a link and whether or not they would have let you into the, uh, you know, from the lobby, if they would have admitted you would be a different story. And they let, you know, a couple guys in. I didn't even try to get in because it was coinciding with uh, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni talking. And, oh, know, I had two computers up. 
I had two computers up. I had one up on Howie and Nick Sirianni on one side, and another computer had the Carson Wentz press conference up. I just wanted to see. I love it. You know, and the best thing was we can talk about this Pat McAfee interview now too, is we didn't have really – where was our closure? We didn't really seem like there was enough answers to what happened. Like why did it get to this point just so quick where you're like, I'm done? Yeah. And he answered it to an extent, but I mean, it made you, like you just said, it makes you have a whole different point of view of the guy. I don't know how you can't. I mean, Donovan McNabb went through so many situations that we compared the Carson Wentz situation through. And we thought Carson Wentz would bounce back in the same way through the face of adversity. He didn't. Not the same way, at least that McNabb has. I mean, yes, Carson has come back from injuries, but so did McNabb. McNabb came back from multiple injuries. What I compared it to the most was, I just remember in 2006, Ed, you know, I talked about this off air, but I thought this was just a great comparison, was in 2006 when Jeff Garcia was the, the backup quarterback for the Eagles, McNabb goes down, tears the ACL versus the Titans. Again, second year in a row he gets injured. The town is just done with him. You know, he threw up in the Super Bowl. They botched that. Yeah, mm-hmm. injured early with the Madden curse in 2005. Mike McMahon made this team just think they need to get another quarterback. I'm done with this situation. 2006, they signed Jeff Garcia as the back of quarterback because they don't want to go through that stuff again. I mean, Nap gets injured again against the Titans. Jeff Garcia comes in and they spark. That team sparks. They go on to the playoffs. They win a playoff game, but they lose to New Orleans. But during that time, it was an exciting time for Eagles fans. We were all in on Jeff Garcia. And I remember the jerseys. People were wearing Jeff Garcia jerseys. They were selling shirts in front of the link with Jeff Garcia's face on Rocky Balboa. Like That's how much we loved Jeff Garcia during that time. McNabb could have been like, screw this. Yeah, how many times did he ask to get traded? How many times did he say, I want to get traded? Or how many times did he say, I'm not going to come to camp or whatever unless you trade me? He didn't do it. He 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 didn't. That's just one. That's no contract stuff, no nothing. That's just one instance, Ed. Because right after Jeff Garcia cashed in on that good year that he had and left and went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they went into that draft with their first pick that draft, and they took Kevin Cobb. Yeah. And they said, you know what, we're going to groom him, and he's going to replace you someday, McNabb. And what did McNabb do? He could have been like, you know what, no. No. Because the year after they draft Kevin Cobb, they bench McNabb for Kevin Cobb. And Kevin Cobb looked awful. <laughs> looked bad. He looked really bad. And then McNabb took him to the MC Championship game, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, right. McNabb comes back the next season. They trade him after that because he was not the same anymore after that, though. That 2009 season was definitely the writing on the wall for McNabb. But you see all this stuff that McNabb had to go through, and yet, you know, none of that. But Carson Wentz, the first time they drafted a quarterback in the second round after he's been injured multiple times, kind of the same way. And, I mean, it it's just crazy, Ed. It's just yeah. crazy. You know, immediately he's like, you know what, this isn't it for me. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, he, he, himself, right after that Green Bay game, yeah. I want out. Yeah. It's an interesting contrast between him and McNabb. I mean, you can you can ding McNabb for a lot of different things. Two franchise quarterbacks, you and I. I mean, not you and I per se, but most these past two generations of Eagles fans have gone through is McNabb is a franchise quarterback and Wentz is the franchise quarterback. So Mm -hmm. I have to compare them because in between we didn't have that. Yeah, but it's it is interesting because maybe it's just a different caliber of player now. I know McNabb. You know, he's 
you know, he was drafted in 99 and then Carson came along 17 years later and was drafted. So you figure there's a 17 year age difference. Maybe, you know, Carson just comes from a different background than McNabb. You know, McNabb kind of, you know, he did have a middle class upbringing with his McNabb family. McNabb already but, was a city boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and Carson was put on a pedestal his whole life growing up in North Dakota as this, this godlike figure. And things were given to him and people worshipped him and, you know, then he steps out and he talks, he comes to Philadelphia and he talks about what a huge difference it is in the Northeast and how everything's faster and quicker and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of ripping the area a little bit and the media a little bit. Um, and that was really disappointing to hear from Carson Wentz. You know, he d- didn't take the high road in a lot of situations in that interview with Pat McAfee, uh, or in his press conference. In the press conference, he did a pretty good job, I thought. Um, but we'll never get to the bottom of exactly what went wrong. The I mean, Pat McAfee interview made me think like, well, mask off. Yeah. Mask off. That's what I completely thought, mask off. Because, you know, I just remember when he did the a- the Audience of One Foundations at the Citizens Bank Park, mm-hmm. and he would have the press conferences there of like, hey, I love this city. I will do so much for this city. Like uh, all this stuff about I, I want to end my career with the Eagles. Like the city means so much to me. And then he goes on this Pat McAfee show, and, and he's – like so relieved to be out of the city and i get it like everybody look he doesn't owe philadelphia anything he really doesn't he if he wants out to be traded that's fine Mm -hmm. but to sit here and act to give him a pass for it though i don't think you should i think it's fair to criticize him for this and i think some people that act like it's not fair to criticize it because oh they dropped the jalen hurts in the second round that's ridiculous that's ridiculous it's football yeah when you ever played football and you didn't have to compete for your chance to play at some point, Carson Wentz had to compete to get on the field at some point. He was a backup at North Dakota State. He had to compete. He was behind Brock Jensen. He had to compete to become a, a starter, or at least prove to that coaching staff that he could become the next starter for that team. Like, football is about competition. Not everything should be handed to you. So the, the one time your security gets questioned and you're like, oh, I'm out. Yeah. I'm really checking myself out. After the Green Bay game? Yeah. Yeah, he wanted no part of the organization anymore. He started thinking about getting out after the Green Bay game. I mean, to me, it's uh, you can't forgive that. I mean, you really can't. No, you know? I I feel like it's completely fair for people to look at Carson Wentz differently, and I don't understand why they're getting persecuted for doing so. Mm-hmm. No, I yeah. yeah. Look, uh, you can sympathize with the player wanting out. That's fine. I don't. I'm not. I don't hate him. I don't think he's trash. I'm not going to talk down on him now, but I do look at him differently because he's not the guy I thought he was. Yeah. At all. Right. Yeah. I the think he, was how, how he really felt. The Colts introduction press conference wasn't that. I just think the Colts fans, if you're listening, you're going to have to accept the fact that your quarterback is, has double personalities because he does. <laughs> it's true. He, he puts on the professional face, but then you now, you know, Ed, when you look at Carson Wentz during a press conference, you're getting I mean, you already knew it anyways, but, you know, for a fact, you're not getting the whole truth anytime whatsoever from this guy. Good luck. You have to be his best friend or at least have a relaxed radio show to do so. Mm-hmm. And and I've said this before here, you know, five years in town, and I'm not sure anybody really got to know Carson, uh, you know, as kind right. of a person. Uh, he was very yeah. aloof. He, he was very aloof. You know, I, I remember a time him coming out of the Novacare complex, walking out of the locker room door, and the reporters were coming out of the auditorium, which is across kind of a a little bit of a grassy area. And he just picked that, pulled out his phone and pretended he was looking at it. Didn't even acknowledge us. 
and nobody acknowledged him because he had this phone in his hand. You know, other quarterbacks have done that, McNabb, and you know, there's always interactions. McNabb hated the Philadelphia media too, though. Yeah, but he, but it, but he didn't like okay. completely criticize like, yeah, outcasts or, or you know, lesser than him. Um, you know, he would at least have some you know talks with us and some dealings with us. But Carson never ever did that. You couldn't really approach him at his locker. Uh, he would be on his phone. You know, at least it looked like he was on his phone. But, you know, not to know a quarterback as even a person that's in the locker room. And I know there's a different dynamic between a reporter and an athlete. But still, uh, there are athletes that are approachable and you can talk about, you know, anything, family life, you know, your kids, whatever you have going on. I have a strong friendship. I mean, he's not an athlete anymore, but I have a strong friendship with Julian Vonnerbelty. And he's just a nice guy. Yeah, Julian was a great guy. Super nice guy. So I, I mean, like, I'm not, that's just my claim to fame, I guess. Like, yeah. But I, I get what you're saying, though. There is definitely like talking to Kayvon Wallace. I mean, he was just super approachable and just very honest and open about everything. Yeah. I've interviewed a couple players over the time. It's not the Samuel the same way. Like these, they're human beings. Yeah. I do get that, but I mean, I just think, I don't know what year was that though, Ed, when that happened. What year was what? Me asking. What what year? For for what? And Carson wanted that that situation with him. Oh, it was it was a couple. It was probably um, let's see. They started doing the interviews in the. It was probably 2019, two years ago. So, do you think there was ever a point in time where you know these articles and these rumors start coming about once from the media where he just started to like not like you guys anymore and 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 alienated like just made himself yeah. like not. I mean, the first couple of years, he wasn't really, you know, talking with us either, you know, just kind of, you know, in the locker room. I mean, you could ask him a question. It would be, yeah, yeah, no. Or he'd be in a hurry to get somewhere else. I mean, he just wasn't that approachable type of a player. Like, and I can make the comparisons with just about any other Eagle quarterback who, who was, um, you know, Nick Foles, the easy guy to talk to. Um, you know, I remember going up when he had the book, when he wrote the book right after the Super Bowl, I got invited up to the serious, uh, XM radio stations in New York City to hear him talk about his book. I was the only reporter there. I was in a room with about 20 other invited guests. He sees me before we go in. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? He shakes my hand and he says, I'll catch up with you after uh, we're done in here. He goes, are you going to be able to ask any questions? I said, I'm not planning on it. But, you know, it was like he was like a regular guy. Like, and I, and then afterward we talked, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, about his wife and how things were going. And um, it's just a, a normal regular guy. And, and when I think back to that, I think, I wonder if Carson would have done that same thing, you know, uh, had he seen me. I mean, even though we didn't ever no, talk like no. if he would have come up to me and said, Hey, what, you know, what's going on? What are you doing here? You know, Hey, you know, are you going to ask a question or we'll, we'll catch up after this because you're sticking around. I'm like, yeah. So, you know, and look, I mean, now I don't want to sit here and set, make it sound like we're trying to just hate on the guy now. Cause that's not what we're I know. Doing. I know. I think we're being fair. No. Cause I think people really, and I don't think people decipher this stuff well. I think we're fairly criticizing the man. That's it. I, I have to criticize the guy from what he is showing me right now. I still think I think he's salvageable for sure. I do think there's a little risk there, though. I do believe that. I think there would have been risk if he was the Eagles quarterback regardless. But I, I, I just think the more that comes out, the more that we see, yeah. the more the picture gets becomes clearer of what he was as a person and as a player. You're right. I, you're right. We. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to come across like that either. I mean, listen, Carson did a lot of good with his AO1 foundation and oh, his absolutely. Truck that he had. 
And the, the rumors um, of him being a bad teammate, I think, are overblown. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Carson is a good person. There's no doubt. I do think he's a good person. He's got a lot of faith, and uh, you know, I just think he's antisocial. Yeah, he, he. You're right. He's an. He, I think he's antisocial. And again, I didn't never really saw the interactions in the locker room with his teammates like you saw with other quarterbacks. Um, so you know, but again, we're only in there for 45 minutes a day for a few days a week. Maybe that interaction takes place behind closed doors. Um, but I, I didn't see a whole, whole lot of that going on when, during the time we were in there. Read into this any way you want to anyone who's listening or anyone, but I think it is telling that so many guys on this team have moved past the Carson Wentz situation and already move on. Yeah. I think it's incredibly telling. I think it's telling that, you know, talking to Kayvon Wallace, I said it to him. I, I literally said to him, I was like, it's, it's crazy to see how confident you guys are or like how prepared you guys are, and you're putting all this noise aside of the doom and gloom of Philadelphia right now with all the dysfunction going around. Or, I mean, because it is dysfunction going on around them, and I was honest about it. But it's interesting to see that you guys are so confident you're preparing for the season and your 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 mindset's just on being starters for this team. And he goes, yeah, I mean, the same thing with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. I talked to them too. We're all ready to go. And I mean, that's proof because... Brandon Graham said, I'm not leaving. I'm staying here. Jason Kelsey's like, I'm going to play for another year. I don't, you trading Carson doesn't do anything to me. Fletcher Cox, you haven't heard a peep out of. Lane Johnson is begging free agents to come to the Eagles on Twitter. I, to me, that seems like, you know, we're, we're okay. Like this, this doesn't break us. Like, you know, and to feel that way after you're losing your starting, your franchise quarterback, your presumed franchise quarterback, that tells me that the faith was shaken in the locker room regardless, or there wasn't that much in the first place. Yeah, I mean, and it is time to move on. You know, I mean, we're just talking about Carson. It's it's media, it's us. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, Carson talked twice this week, so yeah, he's in the spotlight. But, you know, it's going to be time to move on. You know, the Eagles have moved on. Um, They're ready to turn the page with Jalen Hurts. They're looking for a quarterback in free agency. The market's kind of drying up there a little bit at that spot. Some of these guys that, People thought we're going to come here um, are, are off the market now. Guys like Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, gone off the market. So they're going to try. They need to start looking ahead and seeing who's going to play quarterback with Jalen Hurts. Are they going to trade for one? You know, I've heard, you know, maybe some Nick Foles conversation has re- restarted um, with with the Bears having signed Andy Dalton. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Whenever I hear those rumors about Nick Foles, I'm like, oh, yeah, Ed hit that first like weeks ago on this podcast. Yeah. He spoke that into existence. It's your fault. <laughs> well, I mean, there was the report erroneously that Tariq Cohen and Nick Foles were coming here for Carson Wentz right. um, back before, you know, he got traded to Indianapolis. So, I mean, there is something to the fact that I think the Eagles would like to have Nick Foles back in the locker room. I mean, I just he's that kind of guy. He's a he's a low key, popular. I have no problem person. with them bringing back Nick Foles. Yeah, also, and, yeah. And as I know a lot of people do. If they bring back Nick Foles, he has no ties to his coaching staff though, just because they're bringing him back because he's a good teammate. Because he's a good teammate, he's a good backup. He's a he's good the ideal backup quarterback. And as yeah. much as those fans hate it, because I know the statues out out front, and, and you know he won the Super Bowl for this team. They were never paying him back with starting expectations. I mean, multiple times. If, I, I know that the noise it causes, but n- I, Eagles fans think that there are noise way and the media's noise weighs more on the locker room than it really does, and it doesn't. Because mm-hmm. I mean, just talking to those guys and how confident they are, it, it already seems like 
I, I wouldn't see how any of ours opinions or whatever the media or fans think does anything to impact how those guys feel. There's no way Jalen Hurts cares that they bring Nick Foles back. Nick Foles is a starting quarterback. He's not going to take Jalen Hurts' job. No. If anything, he replaces him if he's injured. Right. Or if he's struggling, you give Nick a little bit of a run. But Nick Foles, I don't think, is a starting quarterback in the league. I mean, I think he gets exposed oh, after a few games. But he's very good in a, in a backup situation. It can come in and give you some, you know, good relief pitching, if you will, to, you know, use a Major League Baseball reference. But, uh, you know, I think he makes sense for this team. Now, I don't know what the Bears would want for him. Um some kind of draft pick, but you know, they have Andy Dalton now and I know Nick Foles is a great backup. They might want to hang on to him, but you know, Howie Roseman said this week that they are going to explore every Avenue to try to restock that quarterback cupboard through free agency. He mentioned trade. And then of course the draft. Um, so, you know, we could see all three of those in play. We could see a free agent, a trade and a draft pick, um, which would be great. I mean, everybody loves Hello, hurts. Nick Foles. Davis Mills quarterback room. Let's rock, baby. Kyle Trask, brother. You know how I feel about Kyle uh, Trask. <laughs> you have to draft him high, I think. I think he's going to go. That's, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears got Kyle Trask in the second round. Yeah. That's, how, that's how high I think he can go. If, if the Bears don't take Mac Jones in the first round, I think Kyle Trask would be their, probably their pick in the second round. You know, Daniel Jeremiah had, I think, Trask as his eighth best quarterback after those top five. Kellen Mond was in the mix. I like Kelamon more than Calchas too. Yeah, and then there was another one. I can't remember who it was, but there was a seventh one that he had in there, and I, I can't recall who it was. But then Trask was eighth. So Daniel, I, don't, I think I think Daniel Jerem, doesn't Daniel Jeremiah like Davis Mills? Yeah, I'm not sure if Mills was his seventh best QB. I don't think it was. Um, but I I have heard talk about the Eagles and Jalen or uh, Davis Mills. Um, I have heard that the Eagles like him, and you know I was on the conference call the pro day conference call with david shaw who had a lot of good things to say about davis mills the coach of stanford um and i know someone out out with the stanford connection and i know the eagles like davis mills whether or not they're going to draft him or not i don't know but um he's somebody you're going to have to draft he's not and he's had injury problems he's had some injury history that's kind of dinged him i mean he was the best high school quarterback in, in america uh, coming oh, out. there's upside there that when you draft a day three quarterback, because I don't know if he'd be day three, even if you draft him in the third round, you're draft that that means you're drafting a quarterback that you know just has potential, right? Like, you're, you're not asking him to be your starter, but you're you're trying to tap into some sort of potential there. And I think that's what they should do with that pick, yeah, or I mean, with the quarterback that they bring in. Well, they better make a better decision than they did with Clayton Thorson coming out. Yeah, of way better decision than that one, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it is time to turn, you know, getting back to how, you know, Carson Wentz is gone now. He talked this week. It's time to turn the page and move on. And, you know, listen, even though we're being critical of him, I hope he has success. I at least hope I'm he played 70 snaps so the Eagles get the first round pick next year. I'm just being critical that you wanted to get out of an organization that, invested so much into you so quickly yeah. when the first sign of real right. adversity came and happened. Right. That's it. And it's a great because I don't think Nick Foles is real adversity. That's why I don't think he'll be Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I, no, I was just saying you made the great comparison with Donovan McNabb how, you know, he was faced with adversity with Jeff Garcia and then with Kevin Cobb and, you know, he he didn't blink. You know, he came out and he overcame his injuries and he took this team to the NFC Championship game and you know, Carson didn't do that. And I, you know, that is something to be critical of for sure. I think so too. I think it's completely yeah. fair. Cause I mean, you know, 
he came back from injuries, yes. He faced adversity with Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl while he was injured. But this team never maybe the fans questioned it, maybe the media questioned it. This team never did though. This mm-hmm. team never once questioned if Nick Foles is the future of this team. They com- fully committed to Carson Wentz from day one. He yep. should have never felt that anyways. Drafting Jalen Hurts, yes, I can I, – because here's why I think this whole year must have really bothered Carson Wentz. For them to draft a quarterback in the second round and for that quarterback to be the first one in the building and the last one out every day with you, if Carson was on the same scale as him, because that's what Kayvon Wallace said. Kayvon Wallace literally quoted himself saying, Jalen Hurts was the first one in and last one out of the building every single day mm-hmm. when he's in Philadelphia. He, Jalen Hurts must have really bothered you to want out this bad that quick. I don't care what he said. Uh, Jalen Hurts and your faith in Howie Roseman must have been that broken and that bad where you thought there's no possible way I can come back that quickly after just one sign of adversity happening. Like It must have been that quick because I mean, that played a couple of years with Cobb on the roster. He let it ride. He knew the writing was on the wall for his future in, in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz didn't know that for to be 100% fact. He was committed to on a huge deal. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It is different. And I, I, people are always like, you know, context, context. And I just think the reason why we treat Carson Wentz different than we're treating Donovan Nab, and you guys can make this the spin. You can make it a black and white thing. Make it spin any, any way you want. I won't argue with you. I would understand your point of view in that, and I'm just not going to argue it. But... I think the huge thing is we're sucked in on what Carson Wentz could have been with the Eagles because we all thought Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback prospect. I mean, excuse me, a top five quarterback potentially could have been a 40 touchdown a year type quarterback. I mean, that was never that. So maybe that's why it's a little harder to let go of this one than it was the prior. But I don't know, man. I Carson, I mean, Domery Nab did so much for this team with so much, so little around him multiple times all right guys though but thanks for tuning in again check us out at si.com slash nfl slash eagles for ed john mcmullen and all of my articles we're killing it on the eagles covers lately john's doing a phenomenal job at every single pro day writing up at least every single prospect that he thinks could fit the eagles very well his latest article on kj Britt, the linebacker for auburn is something that you should really check out because i think if the eagles do add a linebacker ed i think it's going to be more in the day three range if anything I agree. I'm starting to come around to that, too. And we're going to start doing another mock draft here. Once this, uh, maybe at the end of the week, we'll get back into our mock draft twos and do an all-seven-round look. They have 11 picks now. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we're going to get into that tomorrow, Monday. Uh, Monday um, is Alabama's first of two pro days, and Devontae Smith, I think, is scheduled to talk during that. Landon Dickerson, a, a center that uh, mm-hmm. could interest the Eagles. So, I mean, you know, the following week, I guess we'll get Mac Jones and Jalen Waddle. Um, but tomorrow or Monday is the Alabama first pro day. Uh, so that's going to be, there's going to be some stuff coming out of that. Penn State's pro day is Thursday. Micah Parsons will talk and uh, Jason Awanu, the, the, Oahu, the defensive end. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming this week. So, uh, you know, make sure you hit us up at SI.com. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.